LinkedIn News. People are raised to climb the corporate ladder as high as they can. In most cases, it means becoming an organization's CEO. The problem with that is that not everyone is cut out to be a CEO. But if you think you are, we're talking about how to get there and how to get hired as one on this episode. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. A lot of people want to be a CEO. Too many, probably. We can't all be CEOs. I mean, there's only one at each organization. So how do you even know if you're cut out for it? And how do you get hired as one? Well, Graham Weaver has spent a lot of time thinking about this. He is the founder and managing partner of Alpine Investors, which is a private equity firm. He also teaches strategic management at Stanford's Graduate School of Business. Graham also runs a CEO and training program through Alpine that places people at the head of companies in its portfolios. So what do you need to know about being a CEO? Here's Graham. To your CEO point, we're hiring CEOs first. And then together with those CEOs, we're going out and targeting businesses to buy that we think we can improve. And then we're building those companies over a period of time. And then ultimately, we're selling them. Yeah. What are you looking for when you're picking a CEO? So let's say we're going to go buy a software company that runs software for healthcare businesses. 99% of people, what they're going to do is they're going to go hire a recruiter. We're completely different. We hire people, in many cases, right out of business school. So we don't care if you've run a software company. In fact, the vast majority of our people we're hiring out of those programs haven't run anything. Some of them have never even worked. Some of them have been in the military, professional athletes or a ballet dancer. I mean, obviously we have consultants, investment bankers, everything, but we're not requiring that experience. So we're focused primarily on who someone is way more than what they've done. So then the specific attributes we're looking for, because those are important. And also we've gotten very good at assessing those, which is hard because they're qualitative. Number one is a will to win. So this is just someone who throughout the course of their life have exhibited that they're going to throw the company on their shoulder. They're going to run it through a burning building. Like they are just going to land on their feet and win or die trying. And that's something that you can't teach. Other attributes we're looking for, can they build a team? Do people want to follow them? Because ultimately that's the most important job is building their management team and inspiring people to join them. Can they sell? Because they're going to have to sell customers. They're going to have to sell those employees. Ultimately, they're going to have to sell the company. In some cases they have to sell themselves on, you know, continuing on. And then there's some other things which we can teach, like ability to really create tight priorities or ability to really focus and those are things that we can coach and teach a little bit better. And that's really fantastic, especially in the grand scheme of things. We've talked a lot on this podcast and elsewhere on LinkedIn about skills-based hiring. And it really aligns with that approach where you're saying, you know, regardless of what your background is, do you have the toolkit that we need to get us to where we need to go? And can you tell us a little bit about the program that Alpine runs? Because it sounds really interesting. And, and can you tell us also why you decided to implement it? So our very first fund didn't do very well at all. And we made 
every mistake you can imagine. <laughs> but one of the biggest ones is we didn't back great management teams in a lot of cases. So things got so bad in some cases that we took people from Alpine and put them in as the CEO. Not because we thought this was a genius idea, but because we had no other option <laughs> at that point. Fast forward a couple of years and we're trying to figure out our strategy and we're looking at what our best deals were. And our three best deals were the deals where we put our own Alpine person in there out of pure necessity. And that person just started doing the right things and hiring and building the team and building the companies and making great decisions. So it happened purely accidental. So we said, well, let's see, we're making our most money and it's the most fun. Let's just do that. And there's a thousand people who told us why that's the dumbest idea and why it would never work. And here's 30 examples of people who've tried that and failed. So then combine that with, I started teaching at Stanford around that same time. And I would meet with students and the number one thing they'd ask me is, hey, I want to go be a CEO. How do I do that? Where do I get the training? And I never had a good answer. I said, I don't know how to do that. So I hired this one student one year and said, why don't we just teach you to be a CEO? And then I couldn't get any of our companies to hire them because he was going to come in as like the number two or number three person initially. And no one would hire him because they said, let me get this straight, Graham. You're pitching me this super expensive person with no experience who kind of is entitled. <laughs> so I couldn't get anyone to hire him. So he left. And the next year I had this woman and we tried again. And this time I said to the CEO, why don't you hire her? If she doesn't work out after a year, I will reimburse you. And she knocked it out of the park. And the next year the CEO said, okay, I want three more of those people. And then the program kind of took off from that. And now because we're doing a lot of smaller deals and add-on acquisitions, now we're putting those people mostly directly in CEO roles, like right out of school. When I first heard about your program, what I started thinking of is that there are a lot of CEOs out there who work their way up, but then there are CEOs that I meet and I'll sort of look at them and say, you were sort of born to be a CEO. This is the job you were meant for. And you could probably be picked up and put in any company and you could run it. And so these people, do you think they go into business school or they go into your program saying, I want to be a CEO? Yeah, definitely. And, and it's a little self-selecting from the class that I teach, but most of the people that I meet with, that's what they want. They want to be the CEO. They want to be a leader. And some of them are a little embarrassed to say that out loud, or they're worried, or they're not sure how they're going to do it. But if you really ask them and they weren't afraid of how it was going to sound, that's what they'd say. I want to be the leader. I want to be running it. Yeah. You know, a lot of people see the CEO role as like the top dog. They're probably getting one of the highest salaries, but not everyone can be a CEO, right? It takes a certain person to do that. And it's also okay if you realize that's not for you, right? I think people don't have any idea how hard it is. When we're interviewing folks, I left this off my list about attributes we're looking for, but grit slash persistence is so important because when you become the CEO, you start to realize it's super lonely. One of your top employees leaves or a customer leaves or you get a lawsuit or something like that. It's hard to not take that super personally. It's a hard job. And the other thing I can guarantee is you will get kicked in the face in a way that you haven't failed previously. So it is a much harder job, I think, than people realize. For people out there listening who say, I want to be a CEO one day, regardless of the company, what attributes do you think they need to see in themselves to say, OK, I can do this? I'll try to share some things that maybe not as obvious. Maybe the most important one is your time frame. So you're not going to be good at this right away. <laughs> you know? It's going to take you a while and you're going to have things go wrong. And next time you're going to not make that same mistake, hopefully. 
you might make a different mistake. It takes time to get really good at it. So my number one thing would be, are you willing to actually not be good at this right away and have it take a while? And I think a lot of people aren't. A lot of people I would say are better off taking a job like when you come out of business school, consulting or something. So that'd be number one. Second is it is 100% a people business. There's this glorified thing where people think being a CEO means you're staring out the window, thinking big thoughts about strategy. <laughs> that is a very small fraction of the job. The main job is can you get the right people on your team, get them excited, keep them excited, build the culture where people want to stay, coach your best people unfortunately have to get rid of people that aren't performing. So as a CEO, if you want to solve the problem of people, then that's, I think, a great job to have. We'll be right back with Graham Weaver. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product, though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so... We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back talking about how to get hired as a CEO with Alpine Investors' Graham Weaver. For people who say, okay, I think I have these attributes, but how do I actually get there? How do I put myself in the running for these positions? What is your thoughts on getting there? So I see this all the time in my class and people say, if I knew I wouldn't fail, I would want to be a leader of a business. But right now I'm going to go and invest in banking or right now I'm going to go do consulting because I got to pay off my loans or whatever. The problem is that does nothing to move you toward your goal of becoming a leader in fact, it moves you away because you start to create new priorities, new goals that have nothing to do with being a CEO. So the first thing would be put yourself in a position that's you're acquiring the skills. I think the fastest way to do that is, first of all, take an operating position, not an analytical position, but something where you're actually on the ground, moving an organization towards something. You're hiring, you're firing, you're dealing with people, the problems number one. So be in a role that is similar to what you're trying to learn. And second, try to work for the best, smartest people you possibly can. Because for example, it took me 30 years into my career 
I've learned a lot about being a CEO. I could teach you a lot in two years or three years. You could shortcut a lot of my 30 years from, from learning from me. So that would be number two is put yourself with someone who has that experience that you want and is willing to teach it to you. So those sound like great things. And then the trade-off for that is, what are you giving up? Number one, you're not solving for your resume. So that position I just said doesn't exist probably at Apple or Goldman Sachs. You might have to sacrifice on the resume and work at a smaller business or something. And number two, you might have to sacrifice comp because think about the comp thing for a second. You will get paid the highest amount of money for the thing you're already good at, right? I mean, of course, who wants to pay you to, to suck at something? <laughs> but I'm actually telling you to go suck at something and therefore you're not going to get paid that much. So you really want to be a CEO in the short term, you're probably going to have to give up those things. I think that's really good advice and especially treating it as sort of another career path. I've seen people do just, as you said, incredibly effectively where they've moved into an operating position and it's almost like they get into a new lane and say, okay, this is what's going to get me there. And then what about an MBA? Do you think that helps in the process? What's your thoughts on that? I teach at a business school, so I think there's value or I wouldn't be doing it. 100% not necessary. As you know, there's so many examples of people who are CEOs never got an MBA. I think what can be helpful about the MBA is when you're changing directions. MBA is really good for a number of reasons. One is you can take some space and just get some time to think, be around a whole bunch of other people who've had all kinds of different careers and different jobs. A lot of people come to recruit. So you get this access to this large aperture of job possibilities you might not have thought of. You do learn things that you might not know, investment banking, and then you're going to learn finance and marketing, operations, and, and a whole bunch of other things like that. So I think from that perspective, it can be a really good kind of reset launching pad. You don't need an MBA to be a CEO, but I think for your listeners, it can be a really good path if you're in a career and you're just feeling stuck. That's really good advice. And for people out there who obviously they say, okay, this is the path that I want to go on. How will people know when they're ready to say, okay, I want to throw my hat in the ring for these types of roles? They're probably never going to feel ready. And I think that's important because if you said, well, I'm going to move when I feel ready, you might never move. And so just knowing that I think for almost any entrepreneur you talk to, it felt scary. That's a pretty common feeling. So if you're feeling that, that's probably normal. And I think that it goes back to what I was saying before about time frame. So here would be my framework I would use is to say in five years, in 10 years, what's Nirvana for me? What's my ideal role? What's my ideal career, job, talent, skills? What do I want to be great at? And then just start working toward that. And then the decisions are super clear. I want to be a leader of a company five years from now. What is the best thing to do today, right now, to move me toward that? Where people get stuck is they just are solving for one year. And one year, you're always going to favor status quo, and you're probably going to be a lot more rewarded to be an individual contributor. So the biggest thing I would tell people who are wondering if it's time is just hey, really take the time to do the exercise of where you want to be in five or 10 years. And now your decision is probably pretty clear. I'll get really tactical. Make a list of 30 things you could do to move toward that goal and then start scheduling those on your calendar because <laughs> your calendar is ultimately where you spend your time. So it's your secret weapon. So you start actually putting blocks on your calendar to do those things you came up with and every day write down what are the three things I could do to move toward that goal and then work on those. But the combination of being intentional about your five, 10-year goals combined with matching that to your calendar, 
that's really the formula for moving forward on a big goal. Yeah, I, I think that's really good, especially the idea of like, if you have goals for a week, how are they laddering up into that big goal? You know, is there anything else that maybe I didn't ask about that you feel is important for people to know? I'm 51 now, and I've been working for 29 years, so most of my life. And even prior to that, had a lot of experience too. So with a little bit of perspective, what I'd say is, ask yourself the question, what would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? And continue to ask that question often and be really honest with yourself on the answer. And the answers could change. And the answers, you might be kind of unclear at times. Like, I kind of know I want to lead something. I know I want to be my own boss. I know I want to be a CEO. And, and that can be enough. Like, it doesn't have to be like super crisp, but keep really being intellectually honest. What would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? And that's what you should go do in most cases, because you're going to show up differently. You're going to have more energy. You're going to persist for longer in that thing than you would something else. And you're just going to get rid of a lot of friction of wondering if you're in the right thing or not. And part of you is going to assume the identity of someone who's already achieved that goal. So there's like this magical power that happens when you start moving yourself toward that. That's the good news. The bad news is it takes a while, you know, because it's probably hard. <laughs> so it's not something that's going to happen in one year or six months. It's probably going to take a while. So that would be my sort of overriding formula. Yeah, I think that's a great note to end on. Thanks so much, Graham. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Really enjoyed it. That was Alpine Investors' Graham Weaver. You can find out more about him in the show notes. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue this conversation. Also, if you like this episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And don't forget to click that follow, subscribe, or whatever other button you find to get our podcast delivered to you every Wednesday. Because we'll be continuing these conversations on the next episode, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow. Asaf Gidron engineered our show. Joda Georgie mixed our show. Dave Pond is head of news production. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Courtney Coop is the head of original programming for LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.